0: Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. God. Praise God. Yes. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 11 and 12. We're also looking at Acts 8 and Matthew 5. So open your Bible and stick your finger in those three places so you'll be ready when we get to them. We are concluding our series this morning, Monday Matters. We're going to be starting a new series next week on Sunday mornings called Unchanging God in an Ever-Changing World. Because you know what? Life is always changing and you never know what's going to come tomorrow. Amen. But one thing that gives us hope and strength is that we cling to an unchanging God. Amen? So we encourage you to be with us starting next Sunday and invite somebody. Everybody needs the encouragement and hope that only God can give. Amen? So bring somebody with you to church next Sunday. All right. We're concluding our series, as I said, Monday Matters. And today's message is titled, A Church for Mondays, a church for Mondays. You know, I found a few memes online that kind of express how most people feel about Mondays. One of those memes, and memes are basically those graphics that you see on social media that have like a little message written on them and some kind of picture, right? And so one of them said, we interrupt your happiness to bring you Monday. Your regularly scheduled happiness will resume on Friday. Sorry for the inconvenience. And and there's another one I think we can all identify with. They had the the words of the week printed out, but they weren't printed out just as we would normally write them. For instance, Monday was written M-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-N-D-A-Y. So it was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. (laughs) And it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? You know, you get into that work week and it's just dragging and you're like, when's the weekend ever going to get here and I can have a break, amen? And, And that's how I think most of us feel. We rarely hear anybody say, yay, Monday! Until this sermon series, of course. Now we wake up on Monday morning and we're like, bring on the lions, I'm ready to go, amen? Praise the Lord. Well, hopefully so. But Mondays are important. They're very strategic. And we've been talking about why Monday matters and how we can view Monday differently and experience them differently. And of course, that extends to every day of the week. In the church... We often place, you know, all that focus on Sunday. And and Sundays are very important, don't get me wrong. They're a time that uh, we are called to set apart, to worship God, to celebrate his goodness, uh, to join together in community and fellowship with the body of Christ. It's a time of discipleship. It's a time of equipping. But the church Jesus died for is not a church that meets one day a week for an hour or an hour and a half. But it's a a church that lives out our faith and fulfills Christ's mission seven days a week. Amen? He died for a church that's still the church on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. So we need to translate our Sunday worship into our Monday mission. Amen? Read with me, if you will, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to his church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So that they can minister to me and pray for me and encourage me. No. Amen. Is that what your Bible says? Because no. if it is, you must have bought a cheapy Kmart Bible and you need to go get a new one. Yes. Amen. But the Bible says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So what's the reason that we come to church? Is it because I'm feeling so down? I need somebody to pick me up. Is it because I got so much mess in my life? I need somebody to pray for me. All of that stuff takes place in church, all right? And that's good, and we, that's a part of our ministry. But the reason that we come to church is to be equipped to minister so that the church can be built up. How is the church built up? It's strengthened as we minister to one another. It's built up as we bring new people and they get saved. And God begins working in their lives. Amen. And, and it also equips us to minister when we leave from this building... And we go out into the world so that we know how to encourage somebody that's downcast. So that we know how to pray for somebody. So that we know how to speak the word of God to bring life into somebody's heart. That's why we come to church. Amen. Ministry is not supposed to be confined to Sunday. It's supposed to continue Monday and throughout the week. Where more than 95% of our life is lived. Be honest, only a very small percentage of your life is lived in this building, but we are called to be Christians and to do the mission of Christ 100% of our life outside this building, amen? So we're not just the church on Sunday, but God has called us to be the church on Monday and the rest of the week. So what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we translate our Sunday worship into Monday's workplace? these are the questions that we're going to seek to answer in this morning's message the first thing i want us to see is that monday is the mission of the church yeah. monday is the mission of the church jesus has given us an intentional mission strategy for mondays and every day read with me if you will matthew chapter 5 verses 14 and through 16 you turn to your neighbor and say that means you turn to your other neighbor and say, that means you. All right? All right. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you know in the first century, of Jesus' world propelled his followers forward to reach their world, growing from 120 believers in the upper room on the day of Pentecost to approximately 34 million believers in 350 A.D growing by leaps and bounds, almost a million a year, this tiny group of people began to spread the word. That rate of growth is incredible considering there were no live streams, no TV broadcasts, no social media marketing, which are all essential for ministry today. When God's plan is really us going into the world and telling people about Jesus. But this Small group of believers on the day of Pentecost went from less than 1% of the population of the Roman Empire to more than 50% of the Roman Empire in a very short period of time. The gospel was shared word of mouth, person to person, and it spread like wild fire. Look at Acts 8.4. It says of the early church, who were fleeing from persecution, that those who had been scattered went everywhere, doing what? Sharing the good news of the gospel. In fact, the Greek word has the, uh, um, the suggestion that they were gossiping the gospel. That everywhere they went, they they kind of just wove it into conversation. The way you do when, when, you know, you're talking with your friends or your neighbors or your co-workers. And you say, oh, did you hear about Uh so-and-so? But instead of them saying, did you hear about Sister Sananthi Stu and how she had an affair? They were saying, did you hear about Jesus and how he died for your sins? Amen. That's what they were doing. Everywhere they went. Everywhere they went. So if they went to work, they were like. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. You had a great weekend. Did you hear about Jesus? Uh, they went to the grocery, uh, grocery store, and that day it was the outdoor market. They went to the outdoor market to get their groceries, and they're buying some bananas, and they're buying some peaches, and they're like, Oh, did you hear about Jesus? They were gossiping the gospel everywhere they went. Amen? And that's what God wants us to be doing. What was the key that fuels such incredible evangelism? In an article entitled, The Secret to the Early Church's Explosive Growth, the author writes that what made the difference is, for the early church, the teachings of Jesus were not just slogans to subscribe to. They were a constitution which compelled their very life. It compelled their very life. Are we really allowing Christ's teachings to transform our lives are we compelled by his teachings to do what he has called us to do to be the light of the world and to preach the gospel everywhere that we go are you compelled by Christ's teaching has it affected the way that you live your entire life so Jesus is has given, Jesus has given us an intentional mission strategy, but Jesus' mission strategy is also very simple. It's not complicated. We make it more complicated than it is. It's very simple. We need to spread the love of Christ. We are called to be the light of the world, and how do we do that? We allow the love of Jesus to shine through our life in our good works. Amen. And you know what light does? Light warms, right? When you get close to a light, don't you feel a warmth there? So when our light shines, it warms the cold hearts of unbelievers melting away their icy heart with the love of Jesus. Jesus showed love to the sick by healing them. He showed love to the oppressed by setting them free. He showed love to the rejected by welcoming them. He showed love to the hurting by comforting them. And that's what opened their heart to hear the gospel and drew them to faith and repentance. Most of the time, Jesus' ministry of healing, deliverance, and miracles preceded his preaching. I want you to hear that. His ministry of healing, deliverance and miracles most of the time preceded his preaching, amen. It was intended to touch their lives, open their hearts so that then they would listen to his word. Too often we just wanna throw people up against a wall and preach to them the gospel and we have never showed them the love of Christ, we've never ministered to them, amen. We can show the love of Jesus in so many ways. We can show Christ's love simply by listening. Do you know that this generation has been called the loneliest generation? The loneliest generation. With all that's going on in the world, anxiety, depression, and stress is at all-time high levels. And people have no one to talk. To about what's going on in their life so one of the ways that we can show the love of Jesus is just to slow down stop and ask how are you doing with a sincere interest to hear their answer I was attending a funeral of a family that I've known for many many years and um one one gentleman in that family he walked up to me and he was talking to me and telling me about his family and everything like that and i listened and then he said how's your family and i said well you know mom passed away last year and i could see that it was like a switch turned off in him he was not expecting to hear an answer now i listened to him talk about his whole family and his kids and his grandkids but when i went to give him an answer It was like a switch just went off. You could just see the glaze in his eyes like, hurry up and finish what you're saying because I'm moving on to somebody else, you know. Uh, We don't want to give that impression to people, amen? We want to sincerely take an interest in people and say, how are you doing? And then stop to listen to what they're going through. That alone will make people feel valued and loved just because you stop to hear them. And because you stop to hear them, it may just open a door for them to hear you when you tell them about Jesus. Amen? We can also show God's love through generosity. Do something for someone not expecting anything in return. Hallelujah! And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. You can be generous in other ways. I remember it just stood out to me years ago, an unsaved person who came to one of our Friday night healing prayer sessions. I was still leading at that that time. And on their way out, they commented to me how incredible it was that three people who did not know them would spend an entire hour praying for them. That made an impression on that unsaved person's heart. Why? Because that was God's love being made real to them through God's people. Amen? Being generous doesn't necessarily mean you have to give somebody money. In fact, you have to be careful with that. You know, sometimes if we give, uh, you know, we see people, we're well-intentioned, we see people on the street, right? You know, they're homeless or whatever, and we take a $10 bill out thinking that it's for their food. But then they go and spend it on alcohol. I remember there used to be a guy, he, many of you probably remember this, he would come in here every time he knew we had service, and I would see him while I'm trying to lead the service, and there was nothing I could do about it, but he would go and sit next to someone, and he would tell them, I haven't eaten in three days. And, uh, and you know, they know God's people are generous, so people would reach into their pocket or their wallet, and they'd give him some money. And then he'd move seats, and he'd go to somebody else. And then he'd go and go to somebody else. And when he had gotten sufficient money, he was down at the pub. It used to be a pub. Now it's a Colombian restaurant. He would go to the pub down there and, 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 and he would um, drink all the money he had collected from us on a Sunday. So we got to use wisdom, right? We got to use wisdom. It, you can't just give because sometimes you are enabling a person to continue to live a lifestyle that's destroying their life and that is not pleasing to God. So, of course, we have to use wisdom. But being generous doesn't necessarily mean giving somebody money. For instance, you know, uh, so- sometimes, you know, we have homeless people come during the week and they knock at the door. I remember this several years ago. A man came. He knocked on the door of the church. Oh, I'm pastor. I'm, I want to speak to the pastor. So I went out there and he's, I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten in I don't know how long or whatever. So I said, okay, wait right there, brother. And, and I had brought my lunch. So I went in my office and I got my lunch. It was a nice sandwich it was when I used to eat meat I'm vegan now but it had you know nice turkey in it and lettuce and tomato and all that stuff and a bag of chips and a drink and I brought it out to him and I gave it to him and he swatted it away and he said I don't want that I want money I was like brother if you really hadn't eaten in three or four days that would look like a t-bone steak to you but he wanted money so he could go drink or whatever else. So again, we need to use wisdom because we don't want to be enabling someone's habit, amen? But, but we can be generous, you know, we can be generous with our time to listen to somebody, to pray for somebody, maybe to help somebody, a mother out that's stressed, a single mother, maybe we can, if we have that confidence with them, we can help watch their kids for a night so that they can have a break or whatever it could be. Help them in practical ways. Show God's love through acts of kindness. Just do something thoughtful for them that will show the love of Christ. We can also show God's love through encouragement. Everybody is carrying a burden. Sometimes, you know, that waiter or waitress in the restaurant may not be giving you good service, not because they're lazy, but because their marriage just broke down, or because they're going through sickness, or because they can't pay their rent, and so they're distracted. And then we go in there, and we're like, hey, I've been waiting for a half an hour here, and you didn't come to my table, which as Christians, we should never act that way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We should always show the love of Christ no matter what. Hallelujah. But, you know, everybody's carrying a burden. Health struggle, marital problems, financial issues, issues with their kids, whatever it might be. Just because some people carry it well doesn't mean that they aren't carrying a heavy burden. People need encouragement. Folks, there's times I need encouragement, and I'm serving God for over 30 years. I'm a woman of God. I know the word of God. I pray. I know God. But there's sometimes I need encouragement. Amen? We all need encouragement. And that encouragement can be a card. It can be an email. It can be a text that speaks life-giving words to someone. Amen? The word encourage means to make strong. And sometimes somebody is weak, they're struggling, and just a word can strengthen them. It can lift their spirit, it can give them hope, amen? Amen. So we can show the love of Christ by encouraging others. Jesus also spoke about giving a cup of cold water in his name, amen? Jesus never advocated compassion ministry for the sake of compassion ministry, but always as an entree to the life-changing gospel. Amen? So it's a cup of cold water in his name. So it's got to be connected to the preaching of his name. But when he said giving a cup of cold water in his name, he was talking about doing small things for others that will meet a real need. It will refresh their soul. It will make his love real to them. So be the light of the world. Spread Christ's love wherever you go by showing the goodness of God through your good works. Jesus says they will see your good works and they will glorify your Father. But again, there has to be that connection because they have to know that you're doing it in Jesus' name in order for them to glorify our Father. Amen? Amen? But Jesus says they will see your good works and they will glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus calls us to engage with the world in God's love. As believers, we know that one of the most loving things that we can do for others is to share with them how their sins can be forgiven and how they can have a relationship with God. That's one of the most loving things we can do for anybody, amen? So our simple acts of love and kindness will eventually open the door for us to share the gospel. Do you remember, Jesus only fed the multitude twice, but do you remember why he fed Fed them? so they would stick around and listen to his preaching. On one occasion when he fed the multitude, they wanted to take him and make him a king because they figured this is the answer to world hunger. He can just keep multiplying the loaves and the fishes and feeding us, but you know what? That wasn't the mission Jesus came on, right? And so he slipped away from them because that was not the purpose for which God had sent him. The purpose for which God had sent him was to seek and to save lost that is his mission that is our mission but our simple acts of love and kindness connected to the name of Jesus can open the door to share the gospel Jesus says shine your light brightly we're not to hide our lights under a bowl or some versions say a bushel basket we are not to separate ourselves from the world because they are in darkness no it is the darkness that needs the light the most Now, that bowl or that bushel that Jesus talks about could be the walls of a church. We gather and we turn on our lights real bright. Hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. God, you're so faithful. Our lights shining real bright in here, right? But what about when we go out in the darkness into the world? How open... How bold, how vocal are we about the gospel then? How brightly do our lights shine then? Does your life stand out as different as light in the midst of darkness because of your integrity, because of your ethics, because of your honesty, because of your dependability, because of your excellence, because of your kindness, because of your positive attitude? Do others see hope in us in the midst of trial? Do they say peace in us while we're going through the storm? Do people notice a positive and desirable difference in our life that attracts them to the Jesus that we serve? Our light must not be put under a bowl. Our light needs to be placed on a stand to shine brightly in the midst of the darkness of the world. Whether that darkness is our workplace, or young people, that darkness is your school campus, or it is our neighborhood, amen, that, can, that light needs to be put on a stand so it can shine brightly and be seen by everyone. In a spiritual sense, the light of Christ shining through us will, un, will enable the unsaved to see God at work, because we're talking about the workplace, to see God at work through us and to find comfort and hope in him so that they too may glorify God. Amen. I read the story of a Christian man who was having car trouble. And he pulled into a mechanic shop just as the sun was going down. You know, it was beginning to become dark, you know, around that time of dusk. And the mechanic began to examine the engine as his helper stood by, directing the beam of a powerful flashlight under the hood. Something suddenly distracted the helper's attention. So he turned away, and in so doing, he moved the light away. The mechanic looked up and with a good-humored impatience exclaimed, Shine your light, man. What are you here for anyway? And the Christian man thought about that, and he said there's something profound in that. We need to shine our light, Christian, because what are we here for anyway? Shine your light wherever you go. The second principle we see is that Monday is not only our mission, Monday is an opportunity for believers. Monday is where everybody lives. I like what one author states, he says, everyone has a Monday. It's the home where you live and the people you love, it's your neighbors and your hobbies, it's where you work, it's where you go to school. He went on to say, our greatest influence as a church is not on Sunday. It comes on Monday as we spread out into the various roles and responsibilities where God has placed us. Everybody has a Monday. That means that Mondays are not only where we live and work, but it's where everyone who needs Jesus lives and works. Amen? It's where those who do not yet know God live and work and interact with us. So Sundays we come to be built up, to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to be discipled, and to be equipped. So Monday we can go out to our mission field, and not just on Monday, of course, the rest of the week as well, but Mondays are our opportunity to join God's mission. Jesus commands us, go and make disciples of all nations or all yes. peoples. The actual Greek there says, as you go. So it's not necessarily a command to go to another country as a missionary. It's really as you go about your daily life, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you go to the doctor's office, as you go to the grocery store, you are on mission. You have been sent by God to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to lead others to salvation, amen? God has strategically positioned you at your workplace to be his representative there. I cannot walk into your workplace to preach the gospel. If I show up at your job and say, hey, I'm Pastor Maria from New Life Assembly, can I come in and talk to your employees for a moment? You know what's gonna happen to me? Security, come get this nutcase and cast her out. They're not gonna let me in. But you know what, God didn't call me to reach them. He called you to reach them. That's why he's got you there, amen? You can reach people that I, as a pastor, will never come in contact with. One writer said this, he said, as believers, We have a new career objective that should grip our hearts. We go to work not to climb a ladder, but to walk through open doors that God unlocks for us to become a significant spiritual influence on those with whom we work. Folks, that is your career objective. Amen. Lord, use me. Let me be a light in the midst of the darkness of my workplace. Let me reach those that I interact with every single day day. for you. We are called to go, not to stay. We are are called to go into the world, preach the gospel, and make disciples. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, church, stay and wait for the sinners to come to you. That's right. That's good. That's good. No. But most of the time, that's what churches practice, what we call um, attractional evangelism. We have a building in the community. We have a sign in the community. And we gather together and we pray, bring them in, Jesus. Bring them in. Fill every seat, Jesus. And Jesus is saying, go out and get them. Go out and get them. Hallelujah. That's where we can say, amen, or we can say, oh, me, amen. You see, the primary evangelistic opportunity of the church is not the Sunday service. It's not the events that we have on our calendar. It's not even the preacher's sermons. It's believers going to work on Monday morning and letting their light shine brightly for Jesus so that their lives will open doors in the hearts of others to share the gospel and lead them to Christ. Amen. Rick Ewell writes, On Sunday, the church gathers, but on Monday through Saturday, the church scatters to carry the gospel. Amen. We scatter into the marketplace as followers of Jesus Christ to be God's ambassadors. Amen. He says, we are his representatives, his messengers. We are on a mission. Hallelujah. Some of you are getting it, amen. Folks, you are called to be a full-time minister for God. The only difference between you and me, I get my paycheck from the church. You get your paycheck from whatever company you work for, but we are both in full-time ministry. That is our calling, amen. God has called us to be full-time ministers for him. And your place of ministry is not a pulpit in a church. Your place of ministry is the desk at your job. Or it is the the little, uh, you know, uh, cart that those nurses carry from room to room. Or some of you, it's the construction site. Or it may be a classroom for you that are in education. That's your pulpit. Amen. So you are called to full-time ministry. So let me ask you, how's your ministry? How's your ministry? How many people have you shared Christ with this past year, this past month, this past week? How many people have you prayed for? How many people have you dropped a word of God into their soul? Amen? How's ministry? God has called us to be the church not just on Sundays, but on Mondays and every day of the week. Our ministry is not confined to Sunday morning, but our ministry continues on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and throughout the week. Our ministry doesn't take place only within the four walls of this church, but it takes place when we go out into the world. That's where our light is needed the most. The story is told of a little girl who was shivering her way along a main street in a large city up north as she was trying to walk home. She saw the light of a small church piercing the darkness of the night. She heard the music, and so she slipped inside this little church to warm up. And she listened as the preacher's text was, I am the light of the world. At the end of the service, she went to the minister and said, Sir, did you say that you are the light of the world? And the minister replied, No, dear. Christ is the light of the world. I'm only one of his lights. The little girl looked at him for a moment and then said, Well, sir, I wish you would come and hang out on the street because it's awful dark out there, and I'm afraid. Folks, the world needs us to come hang out. On the street, because it's awfully scary out in this world, and people are dealing with so much that they need the light of Jesus. Hallelujah. We need to go into our workplace, we need to go into our neighborhood, we need to go into our grocery store, we need to go into our family. Some of us have unsafe families, amen. And let the light of Jesus shine through us, let his love be made manifest. Are you lighting the darkness? at your workplace and in your neighborhood. Of course to be the light we first have to come to know the one who is the light of the world and it all starts with placing our faith in Jesus repenting of our sins and surrendering our life to him. See we are all sinners and sin has cut us off from God. That's the whole reason Jesus came from heaven to earth and he died and gave his sinless life on the cross. He paid the punishment that we deserve so that when we repent and place our faith in him, we could be forgiven and we could be restored to right relationship with God. And if you're here today and you have never repented of your sin, the word repent simply means to turn away from, we recognize we're heading in the wrong direction, we make a U-turn, say, God, I don't wanna live that way anymore, forgive me, and we turn to God in faith and say, God, help me to live for you. That's what repentance is. So if you have never repented of your sins and placed your faith in Christ as your savior, You are not here by accident today. You're here because God loves you and he drew you here because he wants a relationship with you. He wants to forgive your sins and he wants to receive you as his son or daughter and and enable you to begin a brand new life in him. Would you bow your heads with me if you're here today and you have not yet given your heart to Christ or maybe you did so several years ago? and you've drifted away, and you know that you need to come back to Jesus, and you would say, pray for me, pastor. I want to come to Jesus, or I want to come back to Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Pray for me, pastor. I want to come to Jesus, or I want to come back. Thank you for that hand. Is there someone else? Pray for me, pastor. I want to come to Jesus, or I want to come back to Jesus. Just slip your hand up. You can put it right back down. Thank you for another hand. Is there anyone else? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, you can put your hands down. I'm going to ask you just to say a simple prayer with me. It's not my words. It's your heart sincerely reaching out to God. and He's going to hear you and do exactly what you ask him to do. Church, would you pray this prayer along with these that are praying it for the first time? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins today. I repent I turn away from my sinful life I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and I turn to you in faith and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you in Jesus name Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to congratulate you. Amen. On making the best decision of your life. And I welcome you to the family of God. Now that prayer was a beginning. Beginning of a lifelong journey of learning to love and follow the Lord. So we want to help you to know the steps to take to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord by giving you a free e-booklet that will help you understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps you need to take to keep growing in the Lord. But in order to send you that e-booklet, we need your email address. So if you would, would you just text your email address to the number on the screen? If you just prayed that prayer, text your email address to the number on the screen so that we can send you free of charge this little booklet to help you grow in your newfound relationship with the Lord. But once again, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. I want to speak now to those who are believers Let's ask God to help us see our workplace as our mission field and that we would partner together with him in his mission to reach the lost. Let's commit to spread his love wherever we go through acts of kindness that will enable us to shine brightly for him so that others will see our good works and they will glorify our father. If that's your heart's desire, would you stand to your feet and make your way to this altar? Hallelujah. Lord, I want to see my workplace as my mission field, and I want to partner together with you in your great mission of reaching the lost. I want to spread your love wherever I go through acts of kindness, Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. As you come to this altar, I want you just to talk to God from your own heart. You know how he's dealing with you right now. And you make your commitment to the Lord in your words as I pray over us this morning. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for all of these today who have heard your word. And they have not turned a deaf ear. But they have received your word with gladness of heart and an open spirit that says, Lord, let your word change me. God, I want, I want to join together with you in your great mission. Lord, we commit ourselves to partner together with you in your mission of reaching the lost. Help us, Lord, as we go back to work tomorrow, whenever, Lord, that we will see our workplace not as a job that gives us a paycheck or a career that advances our goals, But we'll see it primarily as our mission field, the place that you have sent us to shine brightly for you so that we can reach the lives of those we interact with every day with the good news of Jesus Christ so that they too might come to know and serve you. Father, help us by the power of your Holy Spirit, not to soon forget this message, but help this word to just grasp a hold of our heart and change the way that we live for you every single day. Help us to be the church, not on Sunday, but every single day where you send us. Help us, Lord, to do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.